0: What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. This week's episode, the UFC's Historical Week in Florida. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez. I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. In this week's episode, we will be discussing everything from UFC Jackson, UFC Florida, the latest in the world of mixed martial arts in terms of the news. And then, of course, we will end the show. Looking forward to next week's card. Natalie, we have been two months, essentially, with no MMA. And then last week, we got two cards in seven days. It's just been a whirlwind. Talk to me how you're feeling after getting almost like an overcorrection in your MMA fix.
1: Hey, Double G, you know what? I think overcorrection would have been right if the cards, the main events hadn't been, in my opinion, all really, really awesome, and all three of them um, resulting in in really great stories or very interesting stories um, at the end after all was said and done. So, you know, I was actually not fatigued by three in a week or three in, you know, eight days or whatever it turned out to be. I was still excited, man. I'm still pumped, and I'm looking forward to – to more fights, and I'm I'm really happy, again, that it was the UFC that was the first sport back. I just think that's super cool, man. I already ordered my Fight Island t-shirt, and uh, it'll probably get here by December, according to their website, but I'll be wearing it.
0: Is it really back-ordered that far for those nice Fight Island shirts? Not specifically <laughs> the Fight Island shirts, just, like,
1: everything. Every There's a disclaimer on every, like, item page that says, because of COVID,
0: you know, there are delays and blah, blah, blah. We got we to gotta tweet at Laura Sanko. How does she get her so fast? <laughs> they got a warehouse with them in Vegas, clearly. Just hook it up.
1: I've seen people with them on, on uh, social media, too. So I'm just not cool enough. But I think we knew that.
0: F- fingers crossed that, you know. <laughs> Hey, if Amazon is still working, they will find a way to get their merch out, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, but um, guys, so obviously a lot of places we could start with last week and all the news and everything going on. I think it's probably best to work from Saturday backward, so from UFC Florida on ESPN toward UFC Jacksonville on ESPN+. So let's go ahead and start with the heavy hitters. Alistair Overeem looking to get back in the win column taking on Walt Harris, who really was the people's champion all week with um, just his story of coming back and just fighting in honor of his daughter and um, everything that happened, which was well-publicized at the end of last year. Uh, Natalie, the fight, um, very, look, back and forth. I think that when you had that first moment, Walt Harris, you know, early on clips over him, looks like it's going to be a wrap and Overeem just survives. And I'm not going to lie. That one I really thought it was done, but Overeem hangs on. Walt has like a slip and Overeem gets on top of him at the end of the round. Second round, Walt not worse for wear. Overeem's been cut, but then Overeem just lands that hit, rocks Walt and then it's just he just kind of softens him up until the ref calls it after so much unanswered offense. Um, on the side of Overeem, and really just, spoil. I know, I don't want to say spoil, and I know I started it for Walt Harris, which I think was what a lot of people were kind of building up toward. Is he going to have the moment? That doesn't happen. Overeem takes the victory over a very tough opponent. Um, still a great story, but there was clearly that mood that, hey, that was a rough one to watch for Walt Harris. A lot of thoughts. Go ahead and give them to me.
1: It it was, and everyone, as you said, you know, people's champion, people's choice. You, you wanted him to win, not for any really good MMA reason, just for a personal victory, you know, to have a moment of triumph after such a tragedy. So when he had that chance, and it was there, man, it was a pretty solid chance, and you saw him unleash that fury, all that pent-up energy, emotion that he had, he was letting that out on Alistair Overeem, and somehow with – what to me kind of is a comically tiny head, Alistair Overeem survived, when you compare it to his body anyway, survived the onslaught and was able to stay composed, come back, use his experience. I mean, I think you kind of called it last week, right? Didn't you say his experience would help, uh, would help get him the win? At least you picked him, right?
0: I did. I thought that um, similar to the second round, I thought he was going to do that from the first round is avoid the barrage and just kind of pick his spots accurately. That's what I thought would happen. Yeah, man. I, I never and expected him to go down. And to be honest, when he went down for a mi- I, When I saw Walt raining down, I did not think Alistair was going to get back up, to be honest.
1: Yeah, me either. And that's that's what I thought was going to happen. He was going to have the momentum of... Although, you know, call it tragic momentum coming into this fight and use that um, use that energy for good. And he did. But it just wasn't enough to finish the fight to get him the win. So, um I don't wanna say sad because, you know, he still came out and he he showed up and he fought. And I don't wanna turn this into just all about that that story, this the uh, you know, what happened to his to his daughter. It shouldn't be all about that, but it's hard not to talk about it. Uh, but this is a great victory for Alistair, you know, if it wasn't for that last second loss to Rosenstrike where, where Alistair's lip got busted open, right? He'd be looking pretty good right now. And he still is looking good. He'd just be looking a lot better if he didn't have that loss on him. in between the, you know, the four fights. It was, he had, what, three wins, two wins, and then the loss, and then now this one, something
0: like that. No. So, oh, well, yeah, I was going to say, for sure, you take those 10 seconds of the strike fight off and Alistair Overeem's clearly on a four-fight win streak. Yes, that's why anything can happen, but uh, I agree with you. Um, did you have more on the fight?
1: No, man, that's it. Just, just ultimately, it sucks for Walt Harris, but, but I think he must feel it's a victory and in, in and of itself to come back. But the bigger story should be about Alistair Overeem and and the upswing that he's he's on and he wants one more shot at the title. Is it completely ridiculous? Does he have a chance? There's there's Francis and God who's sort of hovering above everybody. There's DC and Stipe, you know, dancing off in the periphery. I don't know, man. I mean. I, Is he going to get the belt? Can can he win the belt? Probably not. But will he get a shot at it? Probably yes. What do you think? Uh,
0: To me, it really comes down to um, if Volkov beats uh, Curtis Blades uh, and if Alistair is paired up with Volkov later this year. And So that's on the half. I think that if this Overeem on his run right now also gets a win over a guy like Alexander Volkov. Now, then the real kicker, who's actually holding the heavyweight title? I will say this. I don't believe that they would book Alistair against Francis. I can see a rematch with Stipe. Um, I think that if DC holds the belt, it's because he beats Stipe, and then it's going to be a vacant title. And then, in which case, is it Stipe or is it Francis opposing uh, Alistair? Um, I think that that's the only win that gets him a title shot in the near future. Um, to me, it's, uh, it's very tough because Alistair's a guy who's fought everybody. The only two guys he hasn't fought, to my um, at least last time I checked, is Volkov and Derek Lewis. Now, I will say this. I think that because Alistair has had his turn against everybody, Curtis Blades, Stipe, Nganu, Um booking him a rematch because of the way those fights went isn't the most appealing at least from right now for the UFC and you know he's only technically on you know just coming off one victory he's not on a win streak by the numbers right that being said you know when you talk about a title shot look he beats one more guy like I said Volkov is the guy Curtis Blades did get him so if he were to fight a Volkov and then there's an opening up there in the heavyweight uh, title picture, I can't see it happening that way for him. If he is building his way back up, let's say he were to face two of those guys, like, let's say, a rematch of Francis, or beat a Stipe en route to fighting for the title, something like that, depending how things go. I don't know, because those two are very high-level guys, and um, I heard Daniel Cormier say this, It's very hard in the heavyweight division to put those runs together. These big guys, even when you're at a high level, you're getting taken out by just, you know, very elite level guys. That's what kind of shark tank it is when you can literally, any of them could touch the other and they go down. Durability is a real premium at heavyweight. So can he get there? Yes. Does a lot of the dominoes have to fall in his favor to secure the title fight? Absolutely also.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I, I think it's it's kinda cool though that he's still that he's still gunning for it. You know, that's that's what's great about the heavyweight division, even though you've laid out all the, the you know obstacles in his path and they're dangerous, but this division favors, you know, the older heavy punching man in some cases, in many cases, and I would say Alistair fits that. Fits that mold, so it's it's not looking bleak for him, man. It's looking kind of okay, I would say.
0: Alistair Overeem, for one night, could he beat Stipe? Yes. Could he beat Nganou? Yes. Could he beat DC? Yes. He's got the savvy. He's got the weapons. It's about how do those scenarios go? Because we've already seen how dangerous all these guys are, right? It's about, can I see him doing it three times in a row to become a champion? Probably not. And here's the thing. I say that about most of the heavyweights, including, you know, guys like DC. Could I see him doing twice? That's more feasible. And I think that that's what it really just comes down to is the fact that, yes, he can do it. It's just... Look, there's a reason why it's so hard for them to break through. There's a reason why we're still talking about a DC Stipe trilogy rather than saying there's somebody who's made all this noise to work his way to a title fight. So it's very tough, but yes, he can do it. Final answer. Okay. (laughs) I've been watching that new Family Feud with Jimmy Kimmel. What can I say? (laughs) <laughs> um uh, le- before we move on from a um, the millionaire who wants to be a millionaire sorry yeah 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 who wants to be a millionaire <laughs> um yeah uh the, 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 what did I say um real quick on Overeem the stoppage or lack thereof for in the first round do you think that that fight could have been stopped when Walt Harris was on top of Alistair
1: I, I do only because it, it looked like um It it just looked like it could have been stopped, meaning someone was punching a lot in a downward motion, but Alistair didn't look really hurt or stunned the way, you know, um, most fighters are when they get stopped like that. So you could have, and I was thinking as I was watching that I bet Dominic Cruz wishes, you know, that that was his ref on his night because – Maybe he would have gotten that chance that he wanted, um, but it, he, to me, Alistair didn't look so so hurt that it was an outrage that the fight wasn't stopped. Had it been stopped, though, I would have been like, "Yeah, that's fine. These are heavyweights. Like, you know, it's okay. Stop
0: the fight." I agree with you, and we've seen fights stop for quite a lot less, and you know. So, but that was my point: is that there were a couple times I saw that, and I was like, "That the hands are about to come down and call this one." So. You know, this is going to be a theme, but I just wanted to ask just to set a little bit of a precedent for okay. this week's episode. Um, the co main event before we move on to Wednesday uh, Claudia Gadea, Angela Hill. Um, I was very impressed with Angela Hill. I think that, um, look, we know how good Claudia is. We know she had the wrestling. She didn't really go to the well with that um, in the latter half of the fight, but Angela looked good. It was close, it was competitive all three rounds. But when I at the end of it, I really thought Angela had edged out the third round just on a little more activity. Just uh, got a few more touches in. Once again, it was competitive, but I felt like Angela did do enough to steal it. What did yeah, you mean? Yeah,
1: man, hundred percent. I uh, I used great, great um, adjectives. You know, competitive, and and it was close, but Angela Hill to me was mm, clear. No, but but you know, close to clear in between, like you know, <laughs> uh, to in between like undecided or even to to clear, somewhere right in the middle there. Um, so it, it was a it was an Angela Hill victory though, and you know she posted a photo of like her face side by side with Claudia's face at the end of the fight, and Claudia's all banged up and red and pink and bruised. Now that doesn't always mean, you know, isn't always the the most accurate way to to Decide who's a winner, right? Sometimes the person who wins does have more bruises and clearly wins. But I think about like Michael Bisping when he fought Dan Henderson, and Dan Henderson was like, "Look at his face, you know, I clearly won the fight." That was a close fight too, and it could have gone either way. But I love Michael Bisping, and so my bias was towards him. And I think that's sort of what's happening here too. I think Angela Hill is improving so much. I really just like her as a as a person. She's a great personality. Um, uh, but, but stepping back and just watching the fight subjectively, uh, objectively, I should say she, she did win the fight. And so it's a bummer for her that she didn't get the nod. I think Dana White's still going to hold her in, in high regard. She'll still be given that, you know, female Donald Cerrone status and they're going to give her fights wherever she wants to fight, whenever she's willing. And she's just going to keep getting better. And it's going to be a really cool story when she finally gets, gets to the top and gets to compete for something, something juicy. Um, on the other side of things, Claudia looked okay to me, not great. And, um, I thought it was kind of odd, man. Her right leg looked, maybe it was just me. It looked like swollen almost compared to the left. Um, I don't know if she had something going on. She seemed slow a little bit and, uh, maybe it's just COVID times where people can't train as well as they used to, or maybe something else was going on. I don't know, man. But bottom line, Angela Hill won the fight. She deserved the the win bonus and so hopefully uh uncle dana as everyone likes to call him um helps her out you know makes it right i should say
0: yeah i think it was just very um you had a very big moment of uh just stepping up to the plate in terms of this this was a huge jump in competition for angela and i think that she she delivered she just really you know she got there in my opinion and i don't think a lot of people you know i saw the people picking her to you know not to win a lot of people going with claudia i felt like she showed just what kind of level she's at the development she's had in her game but um yeah that was probably one of the more um wayward uh, judges i felt like i felt like that one i think a lot of people felt like that one went to angela and not to say it wasn't competitive but it was quite the fight to to be sure and yeah, I'm with you. I think that she will get another another notable fighter in her next outing, um, especially at strawweight. There are a lot of options to choose from. Uh, Natalie, let's move on to the one that had a lot of people uh, just, uh, I'll say the most controversial of the yep. entire week was uh, Anthony Smith, Glover Teixeira on Wednesday night. Uh, this one, um, I want to start from the top. Anthony Smith looked brilliant in that first round. Active, he was picking his spots. He was just connecting on Glover. Um, to his credit, Glover Tashira. I feel like those moments were kind of the ones where I feel like he's struggled in the past when he's just up against a guy who's just a little more technical, got a little more, just of that, uh, just that slickness in terms of getting in and out. Right, he's kind of just got a few more of those athletic gifts, in my opinion. Glover's fantastic, but Glover, you know, sometimes it's like he's a refrigerator. You know, if it falls on top of you, obviously you don't get back up. But a little more speed, a little more length, suddenly it becomes a tougher fight for him, right? That's what we've seen. Um, Anthony was doing well. Glover wore a lot of those shots well. He was clearly losing the first. He was losing the beginning of the second. Then he connects and everything just seems to turn around. It's really just one-way traffic. He was able to really break down Anthony Smith. Um, I will say this. He had moments in the third and fourth, really picked his spots on his boxing. And I kind of give him grief. He kind of just wades forward with these heavy punches. He keeps his guard up. But really, his boxing just looks slicked. He looked a lot more svelte than I think um, we've seen in years past. He just physically looked very good and just his form and his technique. It just looked a lot um, more smooth and a lot more natural than I think. uh, It just flowed well. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't, you know, like Israel Adesanya, everything just flows like water, to use a Bruce Lee quote. A lot more of that than I feel like we've seen in a long time from Glover. And uh, when it went to the ground, really, it was just one-way traffic. And, of course, that's when we're going to talk about it. The ref, uh, you know, the fight keeps going. There's a lot of controversy, there's a lot of, uh, there's obviously the moment, you know, he's telling his corner, my teeth are falling out, there's the moment where he's handing the referee his teeth that have fallen on the floor, and finally in the fifth round, it's finally stopped, but a lot of people saying that it was too late by that point. Give your thoughts on the fight, and then give me your thoughts on the stoppage.
1: Yeah, man, Glover, Glover did look great. And and even in the first round, as you, you laid it out perfectly, and first of all, you did pick him to win, so <laughs> I'm not forgetting that. But um, you saw it, man. You knew it. And um but but he looked great. He was slipping punches. He looked better than he has in a long time. You nailed it. Once he took over the fight, okay, before I get to that, Anthony Smith was really aggressively pushing forward throwing a lot of punches heavy punches you could even hear dc in the commentary booth saying you know he's putting too much on it and he was even commenting and and i'll i am curious to know what you think about this later is did you agree with dc's comments that that anthony smith's corner was a bit too frantic too vocal throwing out maybe some frenetic energy that was that was um, altering anthony smith's performance but But in any case, yeah, he gets the tides turn. He's on the other side of a beatdown. You know, they have that little interaction that the microphone picked up, like, hey, I'm sorry, man, it's part of the job. Anthony Smith says it is what it is after he hands the ref his teeth. So that was honestly, man, you know, tough to watch. Motherhood has softened me up a little bit, I guess. But, But I think this one would have gotten me even before that. It was hard to watch. What really, really bothered me The fight could have been stopped to me in the third. It could have been stopped in the fourth. But what bothered me most was when he's in the corner, he tells tells his people, his coach, the people who are supposed to look out for him, my teeth are falling out, and they don't even acknowledge it. It's not like, hey, man, suck it up, or are you serious? Do you want to keep fighting? Nothing. They just go and give their advice, and then one coach does, and then another coach does. That was Anthony Smith. He, you know, I haven't watched his interviews yet, but that's that's a human, that's any human telling their their coach, I need help. I, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't want to say I don't want to do this anymore. It's Raquel Pennington telling her corner, I'm done. It's Anthony Pettis telling Duke Rufus, my hand is broken, right? Because how many times do we hear fighters tell us after the fact, oh, you know, I think I busted my knee or I, you know, my hand broke, whatever. They don't tell their coach because they don't want the fight stopped. Anthony smith you know pointed out to his team that like, his teeth were falling off for a reason man like we're not growing those teeth back and, and I felt so bad for him I'm, of course he's going to say it was you know his choice to go back out there and he's going to defend his team but to me that was i was bad man i think i think the, they should've, they should have called it in between rounds the ref it, it was so bad in the corner that I didn't even think about the ref having stepped stepping in because the whole time I'm thinking someone throw in the towel for Christ's sake. But, uh, you know, it was tough to watch. That's sort of where I, where I ended up with it. But, but again, not, you know, like with wall Harris and Alistair Overeem, there's the story that everyone's talking about, but let's not forget what a great victory this is for Glover to And, and, uh, you know, hopefully he has a, a few more. I mean, he's 40, that's amazing. That's impressive to do what he did to Anthony Smith. So how did you see the corner advice? How did that make you react?
0: So I want to preface this because I've, I spent, uh, you know, uh, close to an hour listening to Anthony Smith talk to Ariel Helwani, and he's, you know, very bluntly, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword, go out on his shield, ready to die in there. He reiterated all of that, and he did even say that he's had explicit talks with his coaches. It You do not throw in the towel. You ever throw in the towel or you ever stop one of my fights, you could go to the locker room by yourself because I don't want you there. And this is Anthony Smith very seriously saying this. And he did essentially say, um, you know, that he talked with his team, and that, uh, but very bluntly that said, look, he's told them not to do that and he stood by his team, his coaches, James Kraus, Mark Montoya, and he's even stood by the ref, not stopping the fight. He even said he was a little disappointed that they have let this public outcry on social media and this fan criticism lead to them feeling uncomfortable or feel like they need to defend it and apologize for the calls they made. So I want to acknowledge all that, that Anthony standing by his team, and maybe some stuff we didn't know going into the fight. And um, he was he did point out that he was having problems with the mouthpiece, and that was also some more context to saying his teeth were falling out because his corner told him to bite down, and so he's kind of trying to convey, you know, I guess secondhand, my teeth are falling out, so I can't bite down on my mouthpiece. That obviously makes that statement. Sound, you know, after the facts sound different, we all know what it looked like in the moment. For sure, I'm there with you. Um, I think that, you know, and I've heard a lot of talk, and I will stand by this, is that that fight should have been stopped. That was a matter of, you know, not can you still fight, but can you still win? And look, I get it. You know, you've got strike against Overeem. Anderson Silva, and the... Late comeback Hail Mary is not impossible in MMA, right? I get Derek it. Derek
1: Lewis Volkov, right?
0: Yes, completely get it. However, I do think that this kind of touches on the gray area is that, okay, for the corner, I'm going to give you the credit that after three rounds, a round and a half were being won by your athlete. Now, that third round in particular was where things really went downhill with more steam, but I want to acknowledge, okay, going into round four, you've got your warrior that you know isn't going to go down and still has fight in him, okay, by round five, I do feel like that's another one where it's like, hey, we've taken a lot of damage, and um, look, I understand Anthony's uh, way of thinking, and I understand wanting to take that chance, But I would argue that, hey, you know, that's a case where the fighter is like, hey, live to fight another day. That's on the onus of the team. And I want to say right now, I know that team loves Anthony Smith. I know they want what's best for him. I think it's very bad to admonish that. But I will acknowledge at the end of the day, it comes down to making a choice. It's a human, you know, it's a person like anybody else making a judgment call. And they made the call not to stop that fight. And, you know, I felt like they really could have. And that's the end of that. So I I will say that. And then with the advice between rounds, I'm with you there. There was some stuff that was more frantic. And I'm like, you know, there's a time to kind of give the pep talk. And there's there's another time where it's like, hey, maybe this isn't, you know, getting him there. But look, that's once again, they know their fighter how to communicate with him better than we ever will. So it's like, hey... That didn't seem to make sense from the outside. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt again. They know their fighter. I will now turn my attention, and I want your call on it was the referee. Anthony Smith, yes, when the referee called for him to move, he did improve his position, but I feel like we've now reached a gray area. Improve your position is very broad. Because, yes, he did get from being mounted to half guard, but that does not equate into mounting your own offense or really significantly slowing down the damage coming toward you. And I think that's where, for you know, if we're talking about officiating and the referee, now that suddenly became a topic because, I mean, look, we saw it, like, for example... Uh, not I know it's apple oranges, but boxing, Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua is on his feet telling the ref, yeah, I'm ready to go. And the ref is calling it. Aesthetically, that looks very different than, hey, this ref is watching Anthony Smith not winning the fight. And in the middle of the fight is being handed the teeth. I feel like that's a gray area where it's like you feel like that should constitute Stopping a fight. But then it's not exactly written in the rules. You know that you know technically he is improving position. He is posting himself and pushing away. But then once again we're in that gray area. was like but is that stopping the damage really coming toward you. For a very extended amount of time. And that to me was where it became uh, a bit of a judgment call too. That uh, I wasn't sure that I agreed with. I felt like in that fourth round that could have been called very easily without controversy.
1: Yeah, it could have, and, and, you know, there's improving your position. It should really be improving the outcome or improving your odds of winning the fight, right? Because as you said, changing from, you know, being full mount uh, to half to half guard, like that's your head still getting beat up. Like, okay, maybe you're one step closer to getting to a place where you can maybe get out of danger. But what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like, is that really going to produce a uh, an opportunity for you to have this Hail Mary victory? Probably not. And so you, you got to look at that. And the teeth thing, it's like, where, where do you, what, what, what kind of catastrophic, or what kind of injury to a person in a fight is enough for a ref to just straight up call it, right? Apart from being knocked out or being, you know, knocked out cold or being like, you know beat up silly where you can't move but like if you break if you visibly break an arm or a leg like Anderson Silva fights called automatically right so I guess teeth falling out that's that's obviously not enough but like man that's your teeth man like that's how you I'm stating obvious facts here but it's how you eat that helps your speech like that I know you can get implants but but it's not the same man like it doesn't fuse or heal together like a broken bone like they're gone they're gone to me that's that's pretty serious like no they're just teeth but it's I don't know man it's uh it's a tough one and and if Anthony Smith is okay with how it all went down then you know good for him because he's the one that's got to live with the results but I think uh I think I think a lot of people well I hope that that his that his team maybe has a, a second conversation with him about future fights, and maybe maybe it should be a conversation that's had without him in the room, to say like you know what he can feel this way all he wants, but we have to look out for him, and it it doesn't matter almost what he wants; it's what's in his best interest, not what's you know in in his heart, right? Like that's what the corners for man to. To look out for you when you can't do it for yourself. So I'll stop going on about it. But it, it did it did leave a real bad taste in my mouth.
0: Oh, I think that um, we both uh, got a little long-winded. But yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think that it comes down to um, uh, just looking out for fighters' well-being long-term. And I think that that was just a fight that uh, really illustrated that. Let's talk about some other stuff going on. So Glover Tashira is in a, quite an interesting spot. UFC veteran. He's another guy who's fought a ton of guys. Um, he's had his own shot at John Jones. Where do you think he fits into the title picture right now?
1: I don't know, man, because like it's a great story. But, yeah, is there room for him? So let me take a gander here. And see what how it looks like. Uh, he's ranked
0: eighth. Can I give um, you my uh my plan?
1: Yeah, while I while I mull this over, please.
0: Quite bluntly, it's John Jones' fishbowl. Everyone else is just swimming around in it too, right? Mm-hmm. I think that we're all waiting to see what happens with um. Uh, does he go, it looks like, and we'll discuss this a little later too. Um, he wants a lot more money to rematch Reyes, which I understand because, you know, if you beat him twice, it's a high risk, low reward for John Jones to fight him again. I get it. Jan Blachowicz, I think is, uh, you know, an obvious choice there too. But if I'm looking at it, I feel like I've, on this victory, I could see Glover fighting Reyes are fighting Jan, depending on who doesn't get Jon Jones, and having that be a, you know, you beat Glover, you look good for a fight with Jon Jones following that. And, you know, that's, you know, if you're Reyes, hey, you want to take on another top guy who you'd have to fight anyway if you were champion. Or, you know, if you're Jan, you know, the next man up if the title shot doesn't go your way. Um... Glover's kind of fought everybody else. Uh, Tiago Santos, I know that he's talking about coming back. Just with how much damage you know happened to the knees, I don't put him in the running until he's actually at his comeback. Personally, so I think the Glover against the outlier of Jan or Reyes makes the most sense.
1: And either one of those are tough matches. It's like uh, I was thinking as you were saying that. I was like, oh, maybe you want to give him like another. Another, like, you know, not a warm-up fight, but something to kind of dip his toe into the top five. And so, is Alexander Gustafson, like, is he still retired? Has he come back? Like, I don't know if I've heard officially what his status is at this
0: point. And remember, Gus has beaten Glover already, too.
1: That's right, with those uppercuts. in like, the fifth round, right? It was like a video game. Yeah, so so that could be um, an interesting rematch, you know, for Glover to get some redemption. But then I was thinking like, okay, but he's, he's also at the top end of his, you know, his career. And do you just want to, if you're him, do you just want to shoot to the, the closest fight that's going to get you to the championship fight? Or do you want to try to, you know, build some more wins, put some more wins under your belt? Just to to have that experience—not that he needs the experience, but the exposure to, to to difficult, challenging younger fighters. Boy, I think if I'm Glover, I would say fastest track to the top. And so 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 then in, in that case, I do like your scenario. Uh, whoever's the out the the odd man out from uh, down between Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz. Those are tough, man. Those are super
0: tough. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, true, but I'd point out. Anthony Smith just fought for the title, and he won his first fight post-title shot also. So it's yeah, not like Anthony was a gimme fight either.
1: No, but man, he did not look good against John Jones, right? He didn't, and especially when you compare Dominic Reyes' performance and Thiago Santos' performance. So not a gimme, but, but also it's, it's not the the three guys that are above Anthony Smith's name in the in the current UFC rankings. like that's To me, that's next-level fighter in that division, those guys.
0: Gotcha. I mean, to me, it's like, hey, just keep this train rolling until the wheels fall off if you're Glover. I mean, once again, I, I'm sorry, but all of these guys, they're kind of looking like they could be Randy Couture and fight till they're 50, right? I mean, they're just really still cranking out the hits, you know, pun intended. <laughs> uh, it's just... I'm impressed. I think he looked fantastic considering the stage he's at in his career, and I think that's saying some. And really, he won that fight with his striking. It's not like he grappled Anthony. He just kind of used ground and pound. He never had to use his jiu-jitsu. I was very impressed with that fight.
1: Yeah, I was too. You you called it. You knew he was going to do it, and he
0: did it, and he looked great. You're right. Did I call it? I could have sworn I said Anthony Smith. Nah, man. <laughs> I I got a replay, but okay. No, you did. You
1: did it. You you call Glover, and I call Anthony Smith. I'm pretty sure we're split on this. No,
0: because I, I thought I took over him, and you took Harris. That was the split.
1: Oh, man, you, uh, we'll you replay. It. With...
0: We'll replay, it, guys. Uh, if you listen to this last week's episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, this is what happens when you so focused on MMA, you forget the details like what you said. <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's move on to some MMA news. It was quite the week uh, from Jacksonville. I mean, Natalie, uh, okay, Jacare test positive. I, you broke the news to me. I was enjoying <laughs> a nice, peaceful walk, ready for the fights the next day. And Natalie Zamudio is texting me Jacare tested for COVID. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, they're canceling the fights tomorrow. I legit thought that. What was your reaction? Uh,
1: I, didn't think, I didn't think they were going to cancel the, the fights, but I was stunned. And I, I cruelly just texted you the word Jacare. I didn't even tell you what, what happened. You had to text me back. So uh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but um, I, I wasn't shocked. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think they were going to cancel the fight. But I was surprised because I'm thinking like, wait a minute. When you hear the backstory that he already knew someone in his family had it, I'm like, why didn't he tell the UFC ahead of time? Why didn't he tell them, like, before he got to the hotel? Because it just seems kind of risky. You know, the UFC plays it off like, oh no, the the protocol worked, the testing worked, all our safety measures worked because we found it, we found a positive test, three positive tests, and we moved them off the premises. Okay, that's fine. And. And it seems so far like nobody from these events has tested positives besides Jacare and his team. I don't know if they were going to test anybody after the fights, like before sending them back home. I actually don't know that. Um, but I wasn't that worried about the actual card being being shut down um, because at that point, like if they got his test results, that means they got everybody else's test results and and if they're negative, then let's just go kind of a little bit fingers crossed, but let's just go. And so, you know, I'm glad that none of the people who tested positive, including Jacare, are, are showing symptoms. So that's, you know, if you're going to get it, that's the way you want to get it. Be asymptomatic. So,
0: I mean, that's a very positive spin on the situation, if I may say so. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, I uh, for one, I, I think first and foremost, clearly their testing and their protocols work because they've gone a whole week and nothing else has happened. And to our knowledge, nobody else is, you know, who is a, around Jacare possibly. Uh, people are fine. Now, I really want to just uh, stress, I hope it stays that way, please. But, um, you know, I did see it and I did watch the weigh-ins. And yes, Jacare, uh kept his distance. And he wore the mask and he wore the gloves. But then he fist bumps Dana White, who then fist bumps or handshakes and partially embraces about 80% of that UFC 249 fight card. And I did think, oh my gosh, I, you know, he is uh, not sleeping well. He is feeling very, uh, <clears throat> not, things are not moving if you're Dana White, right? That's what I would be thinking after watching <laughs> that footage. Uh, but look, uh, man, uh, knock on wood if you're gonna have this happen things happen about as well as they could have in a worst case scenario right which is this is exactly what we were afraid of somebody's sick so i think that says a lot about how it worked worked out for the ufc and um look uh best wishes to jacore and family when um obviously also like to habib Nurmagomedov and family i mean i'm hearing about his father and just reading about how the whole family's had those issues, and I'm like, look, this is no joke. So I do send... There's still something to worry about, people. And I send all my best wishes to both of them, and their families right now, for all that going on. But yeah, it was quite... A, it was quite a 12 hours, in my opinion. I really felt like it could go either way, just because out of safety, right? You know, it's like, hey, this is exactly like... Until somebody gets sick, we're not canceling. It's like, well, someone got sick. And then it was like, okay, let's uh, stop the presses for a minute. It was something. Yeah, uh, I that, think
1: I think if it had been – sorry, man, I cut you off. But I think if it had been in another state, maybe they would have. Maybe the commission would have stepped in. But you, you're in Florida. You, you already got President Donald Trump's commercial in the can. So the commission knows that he's completely behind this. He's on board. He wants sports to come back. Like I think there was a lot more behind the scenes as to why this didn't even come close to being stopped after those positive tests. We'll never know. That's my feeling, though.
0: No, it was, it was quite the night. It was uh, very harrowing. Almost <laughs> as harrowing as watching Gabriel Benitez Mowgli Ooh. split his shin open and then they slow-mo that thing on ESPN+. Plus. My gosh, that was nasty. Dude, just reaction.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's what slow motion was meant for, right? I guess for something gruesome like that. Uh, damn, the shin is—you know—my first thought, honestly, apart from it looking really, really gnarly, was ah, oh, his tattoo. Like whoever stitches that up, stitches that up has to really be really good about making sure that the tattoo lines up again. Um, so I hope that happened. I don't know, but that was. That wasn't a cut, man. That was a deep, deep wound. That was like a Grand Canyon in the shin.
0: Whew, that's tough. I mean, he might have to, not a cover-up, but, you know, they might mess with it to incorporate the scar. My gosh.
1: Yeah, you got to do something creative because that's going to stick around.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be something. There was a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, Back to Saturday, uh, Song Yedong taking on uh, Marlon Chitovera. The decision already raised a couple more eyebrows, if we're being honest, but I think the real thing, Song has these visa issues, and we hear about this Friday morning on weigh-ins, that it's possible Song may not be allowed to fight, and that they're going to have to not deport because they can't get him back to China, but that they were going to have to send him away from the United States. And then so not only is the fight in jeopardy, but then randomly... Head coach, Uriah Faber, steps onto the scale as an alternate at 155 to fight Cheeto, who was 145, and the whole thing becomes this, like, crazy, like, is Uriah Faber about to fight on 24 hours notice? And then there's the meme, you know, Uriah's texting his wife or telling his girl, like, hey, hold on, babe, I'm going to be right back, and it's to go way in in the hotel, and I'm like, that's gangster, Uriah. This is, you know, don't let the flip-flops fool you, but it just became a whole story. People wondering, well, hey, what's going to happen? What was your thoughts on this turn of events?
1: Well, full disclosure, man, I'm bummed to admit that I was uh, out of the loop on this one, and it sounds like an amazing story that I missed. Um, But but that sounds like also like good old Uriah Faber, who's just kind of like with a big smile, like, oh, I'll do it. Why not? You know? So uh, that would have been awesome. That would have been something, to, uh, something to see for sure. But that's crazy. So, so, so Song was was already there, but the concern was that he was going to be removed from the United States. Yes, somehow because China didn't want him there.
0: I it's guess. like some kind of uh, uh, he, he through his translator told us on Saturday he had like the wrong type of work visa, if I understand it correctly. So. That's where it came from, is that because that was not properly sorted, yes, he is already in the United States, but that as these issues developed, there's a possibility, you know, they don't really care who's clocking in for work and what kind of work it is. If you have to go, you have to go. Man, that's crazy.
1: Like, China's like, we don't want him back. (laughs) And the United States is like, he has the wrong visa. Where were they going to send the guy?
0: I think it was to, like, I want to say the islands. I can't remember. Fight Island? Not that island, sadly, but (laughs) I don't know. It it was quite something, but yeah, all all till that ends well, he did get to fight. Uh, Finally, uh, you had Carl Roberson and Marvin Vittori. So Roberson does not make it to the, he doesn't weigh in. He has to pull out of the fight, but then Marvin Vittori catches him at the hotel and this whole thing is caught on MMA Junkie and goes viral. Marvin Vittori looking like he's about to throw down with him right there in the lobby. What? Please tell me yeah. you saw this one. <laughs> Natalie, well, what were you doing?
1: <laughs> listen, guys, I I was probably changing the diaper or I don't know.
0: <laughs> I've seen moms breastfeed while watching their phone, man. Come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. See, that's the thing is that everyone's like you know you can't let the baby watch tv you can't have the phone around because of the emfs you know the electromagnetic frequency so i don't know i was probably doing some some like little house on the prairie nonsense with my son and i missed it and i'm sorry <laughs> natalie you're missing a lot of epic things right i was now. probably churning butter or something ridiculous and that's what happened yes i know
0: this is uh anyway um that it became of nothing but i think i'm gonna have to you know make sure natalie has a watch list before next week's episode no you you you,
1: i did and i didn't get to it and so so another full disclosure this is my bad
0: (laughs) natalie you're missing some of the best out of the cage action sorry look you know what it's like when i
1: have a chance to look on instagram or whatever like i tell you man like i have to (laughs) I have it on mute. So I keep saving videos to my collection. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. As soon as, you know, he wakes up or whatever, I can watch this video. I should just start using my headphones. I'm being a big dork.
0: I'm going to get you like a little baby sleep mask. That way you could watch (laughs) videos while Joe's around. I need Google
1: Glass. Do they still make that? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I think after someone tried to drive with them, it became a bad idea. (laughs) Anyway, I'll say this. It was very nice to have uh, something to look forward to. Um, And I will say this. I'm seeing a lot more... You're watching, like, The American Idol and The Voice and, you know, TV is trying to move forward even though it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a facsimile of itself, you know, with doing it from home. But I like it. And I do like that people are trying to, like, hey, you know, like... We can't be out forever, you know, we're going to try to make these things work, and I did like it, and, you know, UFC and MMA is very high in their risk tolerance as it, you know, from the beginning, so I do like seeing that we're getting out there, and we, we are taking the steps to make it work. It was good news, and you're hearing about other promotions saying they're going to try to get the ball rolling too. All of that is a positive sign. I like it. So it was a very good week of MMA, in my opinion.
1: Agreed. Did you see Ryan Seacrest? Were you watching that American Idol thing? I, ha- I saw. I did see that on YouTube or
0: something. I've seen did the you commercials. See so I haven't actually watched an episode. What's up?
1: That he was like uh, kind of losing it. People thought he was having a stroke on TV. He started slurring his words at the finale because I guess he's doing it from his house or something. He was uh, having some trouble there, but it turns out he's okay. He was just
0: really tired. Are we sure he didn't just have bad Wi-Fi? Because that's made a lot of people sound bad in the apocalypse. Let's go. <laughs> no, um,
1: yeah, I wish,
0: but, uh, but no, I didn't. I didn't see it either.
1: I just saw the video after the fact. But I didn't even know they were doing that. How were they doing American Idol with no, no? Like, how are they?
0: I know I got... that the Voice seems to like pre-tape their performances, and then those are the ones that are quote judged on TV and seen and voted on. And so I think American Idol is doing. A similar thing some parts are live some parts are pre-recorded but it's all done to move forward with the competition well god bless uh god bless ingenuity i will say this i i read some stuff on it and they had a very funny line like so you know these competition shows it's like well who was sent home and then they say we mean that figuratively all the contestants are already at home and i was like that's savage but it's hilarious <laughs> Yeah, everyone's already in their mom's basement. It's like, well, we can't send anybody home. They're already there. And it's like, that's messed up, but it's true. Um, (laughs) That's even worse. Go home. But I am home. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, we're sorry to send you home. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's very tough. But look, I like it. I think um, people are moving forward. But yeah, so here, Natalie, let's go ahead and close it out. We haven't talked about a lot of the going-ons in MMA because... Well, there's nothing going on. Now that we've had a little more action, I thought let's go ahead and revisit some topics we haven't been discussing for the last month, huh? What do you think? Okay, let's do it. All right, so you know what? Um, probably the biggest one that came out, John Jones takes aim at Francis Ngannou. Natalie, should even be talking about Francis Ngannou before fighting Stipe if he's going to move up to heavyweight finally?
1: Man, I don't... I don't know anyone that really should be talking about fighting Francis Ngannou. Like, like I said last week, DC's like yeah, he's sitting there probably like, damn it, why hadn't I retired already? Because <laughs> now I got to face this guy probably. John Jones is just saying it to say it to get his name in the you know the Twitter cycle. There's no way he wants a piece of Francis Ngannou, dude. I, I don't believe it for a second he's maybe he'll fight at heavyweight maybe someday but I, I think that's mostly just talk also in general and uh so no he shouldn't be taking aim at Francis Ngannou he should just you know get his uh continue defending his belt rematch Dominic Reyes or fight Jan Blahovitz. like let's let's keep his division going
0: I'm going to get there in one second. Um, I've said this. At this point, John Jones moving up to heavyweight is like LeBron James doing the dunk contest. It, there's a lot of reasons why you should have. There was a good time to do it. At this stage, it's kind of not worth it. And, you know, what I mean by that, look, and, uh, depending on how you slice it, a lot of people have John Jones in the GOAT conversation, best of all time. If you don't have him there, I know why. It's the outside the cage stuff, which, you know, it's completely fair. I'll say this. If he were to move up and become heavyweight champion, you probably still wouldn't put him as number one pound for pound because that wouldn't change how you feel about him already because of what happened, right? Okay. So to me, if you're already being called the GOAT, it's kind of high risk, low reward to risk that for the sake of adding another belt when you don't need it. Now, respectfully, because DC never beat John Jones, um, you know, at least like the first fight, and we know with the rematch, he kind of needed that for his reputation and his image and legacy more so than John Jones needs it. So I feel like it's just high risk, low reward. If he were to fight Francis, it's only because he thinks he's a better stylistic matchup than Stipe. And I'll say this, Francis is the scariest guy to throw hands in the UFC right now. Stipe has better takedown defense, and we all know that John Jones is not about to stand and bang in the pocket with Francis Ngannou. So, you know, I think that that's the only reason why, but I think it's a lot of white noise. I think John is just trying to capitalize on the moment and maybe change the conversation from us asking, is it going to be Reyes or is it going to be Blachowicz? Which is why I'm gonna make that my next question. Natalie Reyes Blahovich, we're getting to that point where it's time to really start talking about who is next for John Jones already.
1: Yeah, I don't think John Jones is at least, you know, I don't not, I don't think. Like just look at it at the record, apart from GC, he's not the kind of guy who's trying to go back and, and give someone who maybe beat him, maybe didn't, a second chance, right? Didn't well couldn't do it for Santos because of his injuries. Gustafson, eventually that happened, but only because that fight was, it was almost like just he wanted just to, to shut everybody up, and it took a long time for that to happen before he actually went and, and rematched Gustafson. So uh, if, if I'm thinking, looking at how John Jones seems to think, he's not going to want to give Reyes another chance, and if he does, it's not going to be right away. He's going to want to go for Jan just to to mix it up and he'll say something like oh you know I think I think he's next in line and he deserves it and Reyes can wait he had his chance blah 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 so if the UFC is going to let John Jones pick his next opponent he's going to pick Jan Blachowicz I I would put money on it
0: yeah I have it for the very same um reason I think that um it's just high-risk, low-reward for John to take on Reyes again. Like we already talked about, not going to beat the dead horse twice. But, yeah, I think that um, I think they just don't need it. Um, I think that if, if other stuff happens, like, for example, is there a lot of Sonya somehow, you know, loses the middleweight title and then the super fight there, then maybe, you know, that Reyes fight is a higher priority, the rematch. Because once again, I think it's just too high risk, low reward to move up to heavyweight. I think that John has a great dance partner, great promotional partner, if he were to fight Adesanya. Until then, you add another great feather to your camp, uh, cap with a great uh, opponent in Jan blahovic We all know Izzy's uh, busy with Costa, possibly Ken and Ye before he fights John, moves up. So I think that it just goes forward. I think there's just... There's got to be some stuff that happens where the Reyes rematch becomes a bigger priority, in my opinion, for Jon Jones. Yep. Moving forward, um, with Justin Gaethje now seemingly locked in against Habib Nurmagomedov, what does that mean for Conor McGregor? Because a couple of weeks ago, that was kind of his uh, two, two targets, right? He wants to rematch Habib, or he'll take a super fight with Gaethje while... Tony fought Habib. Now Connor seems to not have somebody to the dance. So who do you think he's going to ask?
1: Ooh, this is a tough one because who are the options that like, who are the, what exciting options are left, right? There's this Jorge Masvidal at 170. To me, that's not an exciting option because it's very dangerous for Conor McGregor. So that doesn't get me fired up. It gets me nervous. There's Nate Diaz, the trilogy, It'll make a lot of money. Nate Diaz is coming off the loss to Jorge, so he'd probably be interested in, in taking that fight with Conor, getting some money, and then maybe calling it a day. Conor wants that fight. He wants to, to close the door on that, on that rivalry. But, you know, the fight that I actually would want to see, really, is Conor versus Dustin Poirier. I think that would be a fun fight. There's a, a history, right? Conor beat him a long time ago. At, uh, at 145 and I think this would be a good fight a great fight actually I take it back great fight Connor probably doesn't want it it's not a big enough event for him but that's the fight I want to see what do I think we're actually going to see probably the Nate Diaz trilogy
0: I like the Dustin Portier fight I didn't think about that but it checks a lot of boxes for me I gotta say it really does um, you know, it'd be a main event, so, uh, Connor's always going to fight pay-per-view and he's not going to be co-main to anybody, so I think that the Nate Diaz fight makes the most sense, um, for a lot of reasons. Stylistically, I think he's always matched up well with Nate, the way Nate likes to fight. I would prefer it at 155 over 170 for both guys. And then, um, you gotta talk about the promotional aspect, The reason those fights were so big is because Nate already has a cult following. It only got bigger after he beat him. And, well, let's be honest, it skyrocketed after he beat him. But he was still a guy a lot of people knew. Now everyone does in MMA. And then with Conor, you know, it just makes for an easy sell on pay-per-view. Dana White did say it would be hard to do a Conor fight without a gate, without fans, but... Depending on how soon we actually get to all Pack-a-Stadium, it might just be the lesser of two evils to get them in there and make it happen. So I do agree with you. The Nate Diaz trilogy would be really good.
1: Yeah, and I think the UFC and, and Connor they have to just say, you know what, this, we're going to have to do a fight without a gate, without a fans in the audience, and just bite the bullet on it because you can't make the guy sit, sit, sit in the waiting, in the waiting room, sit on the wings, until what the end of the year? Until the beginning of next year? Like he's ready to go, man. He's in the prime in prime shape. Like just let him fight, and you have to just say, well, no fans, no money, no gate from the no money from the gate, and that's it. Let's let's get this guy back in the back in the octagon.
0: I mean, it, it's I would say this: Connor controls that because once again, you know, he doesn't need the money. He could wait, but. He's also, you know, strike while the iron is hot. He's in the prime of his career in terms of his age and, you know, his physicality. So that is also a very big, uh, very big point. You know, it's like, what does he really want? That's going to be the question. Uh, Next one, final one. There's a lot of players that we're still waiting to hear from. The most obvious, you got Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Kamaru Usman fighting either Jorge Masvidal or possibly Leon Edwards. Then Alexander Volkanovsky rematching Max Holloway. Natalie, there's some title fights out there that we're just not hearing a lot about. Which one really catches your attention that you want to see the most?
1: I want to see the most because I love this guy so much and I would love for him to get... um... To be a champion, even though he already has his very special BMF belt, but I want to see Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. For him to get that title shot, the, the culmination of his really awesome career, with, especially with these last two years and how his his brand, his star has, has grown, that would be a great, great fight. I do not care to see Usman Edwards if we're just sticking with this division welterweight. I'm not really interested in seeing Leon Edwards' fight anybody right now there's just so many other exciting people in that division um you know there's I mean I don't I know Woodley's already spoken for right now but like I'd rather see uh, Usman fight Woodley again before I see Usman fight Edwards so I'm looking at Masvidal for that title shot that's the one that gets me really excited uh the other two that you mentioned are great too but but Masvidal I want to see him fight anybody basically except Conor McGregor
0: I mean with the shots on Leon Edwards man what did know, he do man. to you <laughs> Masvidal has influenced me clearly <laughs> I will say this that's kind of the, it, it Masvidal you kind of got to move that along He's either got to step up to it and also I feel like there's so many more options if Masvidal fights for the belt because imagine he wins and you know suddenly Leon Edwards three piece in a soda run it back Uh, you Conor McGregor trying to be a champion run that one there's so many more options there that I think it's just more appealing it's almost worth the risk I feel like UFC if you you know you have him fight Conor all you do is really lower the stock of Conor which is still higher than Jorge Masvidal even though Jorge is kind of the man of the moment right now after last year so I'm with you there I think uh Kamaru and Jorge is big I'm sorry, though. Israel Adesanya, Paulo Costa. Let's just get this out of the way. Let's. You know what? I'll say this. If there's gonna be one and only one Fight Island event, which I'm still not convinced, because I feel like, the, I I don't know. It would be awesome, but I just don't know. But if we're gonna do Fight Island, I'ma say this right now. Adesanya, Costa. They're like the closest you could get to two Mortal Kombat characters, two different ones to fight each other on the beach. I love it. Let's do it. I think that they need to get this settled. Also, have you been watching Paulo Costa, his Twitter? No, I have not, actually. That man has gone off the rails. I don't know what he's trying to do, but I just will go on the record. I don't understand it. But he's getting us talking about him, so I encourage you to check it out. But yeah, my pick, let's see Izzy fight Costa and move it along. On the island, let's do the island. And I yeah, just got to say... Any I, of either of these got to be island
1: fights for sure.
0: I'll say it again. I just feel like you're more likely to get international travel cleared before you actually hold an event on the island. That's why it almost is like, I don't know if it can happen almost feel like if UFC is actually going for best-case scenario, you could get everyone to the apex before the island. But they made T-shirts. I know. (laughs) And they look nice, and it's so cool. How about we party on an island after watching the fights? Win-win. Yeah,
1: someone probably (laughs) get in a fight at the party, so that'll be close.
0: No, like we watch UFC fights on TV, and then, you know, we move from the cabana to the water
1: okay no not exciting not the same come on man
0: okay or or i guess if we we, did we talk about this if we're gonna do fight island just go all out have them you know like walk up there's fire there's the tiki and all that you know there's these torches do it like that
1: yeah someone's got to come out of the water like aquaman uh it's got to be epic yeah
0: yeah if we're gonna do fight island you gotta do it you're you got to make the BMF event look boring. That's what I expect (laughs) if we're going to do this. Anyway, but that's just me. That's me pitching my ideas to the nice people at the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Natalie, that's the end of another episode. Next week, as of right now, still in parts unknown, Tyron Woodley set to take on Gilbert Burns. We talked about it last week. We thought it was going to happen. They moved it. Um, I still like this fight. I think this is a big one. Will Tyron return to form? Can Burns kind of just have that big leap in competition and shine? It's going to be a good one. I like the matchup.
1: How soon do you think before we find out where it's actually going to be? Like, how how last minute do you think it's going to be?
0: If we still don't know by Thursday, I'd be shocked. Okay, okay. I think if we're you know if it's past. 4 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday, something is wrong. I'll say that. So, all right.
1: You Natalie, heard it Natalie, here.
0: Natalie, where can the nice fans find you on social media? It's been another I'll great be, episode. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm hanging out on the, the old Twitter machine at Zamudio underscore, Instagram at Zamudiorama.
0: Guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll be back next week.